This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Well, this is going to be fun. I think this is the first time maybe the SB Nation, the former SB Nations, us now at Fans First Sports Network have kind of done something like this. Uh, I want to welcome everybody in. We wanted to do a little bit of a roundtable. The playoffs start today when you're listening to this, watching this. Happy Stanley Cup playoffs day, everybody. Huzzah. Happy Stanley Cup playoffs. Woo! Let's roll. Yay! <laughs> yeah. We've got to represent... We got some representatives here from each division and some non-playoff teams here to give us a little bit of outsider perspective. <laughs> but we're going to have some fun with this. We want to we want to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. What's going on? We're going to kind of work our way around. We've got Dan Saracini representing the Islanders here. PD with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hey. West with the Dallas Stars. The Stars. Steven with the Anaheim Ducks. Hello. Robin with the LA Kings. Howdy. And Sky, who does double coverage here with the Boston Bruins and the Seattle Kraken. I haven't slept in days. <laughs> <laughs> sleep is overrated. That's right. Help me. I don't know how you sleep with a 7 o'clock puck drop and, what, a 10 or a 10.30 puck drop? You just must be wired all the time. <laughs> uh, caffeine helps a lot, and <laughs> lots of it throughout the day. Him and Michael Irvin have a mutual friend. <laughs> uh, all right before we get into the matchups here i want to go around i got a few questions for everybody it took until game 82 to figure out every single matchup what's everyone's favorite round one matchup i mean i'm the homer do we do we have to like not pick our own team because you can be a homer if you want my my heart says the stars, but intellectually, I just want to see what Connor McDavid does in the playoffs in the season where he effectively turned the MVP conversation into let's all talk about who might get second place in a world in which McDavid doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to Devils Rangers because uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So go Devils. Uh, uh, but then if the Islanders win their series, then they're probably going to get I guess they'll get whoever wins that series. So uh, also go Devils. And I just know I jinxed them now by saying that. Kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> Long game being played right here. That's right. Always. Pray <laughs> pray for seven, pray for injuries sort of thing. Yep. The whole thing. Well, with Jacob Truba on the ice, you don't usually have to pray too hard for that. Future like, uh, <laughs> Anaheim Duck, Jacob Truba. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I hate to take the chalk, but I – cannot be i cannot begin to say how excited i am to see the tampa bay toronto like i just really want to see it i think that's going to be fun and you know toronto has everything to prove and we're going to get so many wonderful shots every time tampa scores the content is going to be so good the content is going to be so so good are we going to see an e-bug in the playoffs is the question Ooh. Ooh. 
if they I make it to the what do you call it game uh, seven overtime conference final hero i don't ask you for much please just this once david Ayers makes his triumphant return to pro <laughs> hockey <laughs> oh my god oh uh. I don't know. Give me I, Devils Rangers on this one. I just think that that crosstown rivalry, they're like a stone's throw away from each other. Mm -hmm. They're both really good. One with a phenomenal offense. One that's just surprised us all year. And fans who just hate the crap out of each other. That's going to be fun for me. Yeah. Be, I, just, uh... I wish Vanisek was a little better. Then mm. to me, the, the only thing keeping that series out of the top tier is like, can it's one thing to get through the regular season, right? But when, when you can coach around it, when you can plan, you know, best of seven, six, you know, consistent opponent, does does that turn into an issue that's going to kind of cut the entertainment out of it? He just, you know, it's, it's Shesterkin versus Vanisek, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think mine would uh, probably be uh, Devils Rangers. Um, I think this is going to be a absolutely phenomenal series for. Those of us who want to see uh, fights on the concourse that are uh, shot from uh, uh, the incorrect angle from a phone. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be so good. Uh, but Why is it either... vertical? Because <laughs> New York only goes up, baby. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, like, but in general, two crazy fast teams. Um, definitely one specific player's downfall that I am wishing on, and I think the Devils can deliver that to me. I'm so excited for this playoffs. This is going to be a very good first round, and I think uh, go depending on how certain series go, a really fun uh, second round as well. Yeah, I, I would say uh, honestly, like just looking at the paths, we we probably won't. There there are some years right where somebody wins, and then that half of the bracket just kind of you know, stinks, mm -hmm. right? But this is a good year. We're, we're, we're going to get a good round two, most likely. We're going to get a good round two. Like, there's, there are a lot of really interesting combinations, no matter how it shakes out. Yes, I was going to say uh, Oilers-Kings is what I'm looking forward to. I mean, there's a lot I'm looking forward to, but that one stands out because that series last yeah. year was unexpectedly entertaining, and I feel like both teams have gotten a lot better even. So I really hope that we get to seven games again with that one. And no. <laughs> yeah. no. Why do you have a uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Hockey. Well, and, and, I, and, and I do I, I, I do think the Oilers will win it, but I am pulling for uh, Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Korpisalo, the former Columbus guys. They're both awesome dudes and uh, really want to see them have some success. Remember how – good Corpy was in the playoff bubble if he can recover that form it would be really really fun to see well it's, it's the old corpus off reminds me and this is a bill barnwell football thing but like he always say it's easier to go from 30th to 15th than fifth to first yeah and going from <laughs> and being clear going from 2023 version of mm -hmm. jonathan quick to 2023 <laughs> Jonas corpus mm -hmm. it's it turns the kings from a team with like a really terrible you know, flaw into feisty, right? Like it's, it makes that, makes that matchup really interesting to me, I think. Yeah. And he's had, if you look at his numbers, it looks like a very scattershot kind of career, but I think if you dig a little deeper, you see that he's a guy that's honestly not a great backup. He needs to be playing a lot to be good. And also the struggles he had the last 
couple years in Columbus uh, were probably due to a hip injury that went too long before it was addressed. And this year he was finally, it was surgically repaired. He was recovered and was fully healthy and he was able to recover, you know, peak Corpy form. And then in LA, what he got, which he hasn't had here in a while is, you know, um, players who actually know how to play defense, which he didn't <laughs> have in Columbus. So that, that makes it easier for sure. You, you could have just said play hockey. <laughs> no, no offense to this year's Blue Jackets. Oh no, they deserve it. They deserve all the <laughs> Well, I gotta say, I'm actually looking forward to Avs and Kraken. Um, I know a couple yeah. people are like double teaming it for them, but oh, like that is. <laughs> um, but the, the chaos potential with that i mean nathan mckinnon can just turn it on like that but the seattle kraken have literal chaos in their pocket they had freaking 209 goals to lead the entire nhl this year what I don't want to discuss this. It's your turn. Today. <laughs> Counterpoint. Martin Jones, NHL player. Yeah. Yeah, but you never know what you're going to get with Martin Jones. Either he's going to be like really good. <laughs> you're welcome, this. Sky. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Oh, hey, Jesus. I have been down the Martin Jones road, so you could have told I feel your somebody. Pain, buddy, but <laughs> so I tried. So, <laughs> so are we following? The like road is minutes. deeply, deeply uh, in debt with the DOT. Someone get involved. <laughs> there's, there's no recovering for Martin Jones. I'm sorry. You know, there's some alternate reality out there where the second part of the Martin Jones Bruins trade didn't happen, and he ended up in a tandem with Tuka Rask, and that scares the crap out of me. Jake, we're <gasps> supposed to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be on the same side here, man. You're <laughs> Team Chaos, baby. I mean, chaos. Embrace it. I'm you know, you know talking about Martin Jones. You know, talking about Martin Jones and kind of dark horse candidates here, who are your dark horse teams? Who's the team who maybe people think are going to get steamrolled or maybe aren't in competitive series is that will surprise people? I'm going to say the Devils. Uh, not only do I have them edging out the Rangers, but I've got them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think mm. they, they are the team that looks the most exciting to me out of the Metro uh, the other teams seem to either have flaws or are just underachieving in a way. And the Devils, I think, are going into this with really the least amount of pressure of the other teams in the Metro. So they're a young team. They can just go in there and have fun. And they've got a, a lot of guys that can score. So uh, that's a team that I think if they get – like you said, Vanacek, he's a wild card. But if he's at the peak of his game, that's a team that could go really deep. And especially they'll get New Jersey or sorry, they'll get the Islanders or Carolina in round two. Yeah. You kind of think that you're right. Their, their toughest series before the conference final mm -hmm. might be the, the Rangers. Like the winner of that series would go on to the Eastern conference. Finals, I mean, basically. yeah. Of, of devil's Rangers. Barring shenanigans. Right. <laughs> True. No disagreement there. No yeah. disagreement. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of people picking the Islanders to upset the Hurricanes. Nothing terrifies me more than people putting their faith in the Islanders. I hate when they do that, especially when they put their money in, in on the line with the Islanders. Well, to, uh, to be clear, it, it's faith in Sorokin. Yes, also and yes, injuries. Sorokin and injuries, right? Like Carolina missed. Uh, it's they're they're not going to get Packer ready back. They're right. pass ready, yes, whatever. How are you saying? Sveshnikov, too. Um, yeah. That was huge, yeah. Big, big pieces got hurt for that yeah. team. And so you could if, – if any team is going to get goalied in the first round, right, they're, yeah. they're a candidate. And the Islanders are getting back Matt Barzell, who's like, you know, one of mm. the you know four guys on the team who can actually score and create offense. That's great. Um, so, you know, again, I don't want to do the homer pick, but it seems like – I'm looking at a lot of the the uh, dark horses, and some of them, I don't know, they, they seem like they can win. Like, is Winnipeg – a dark horse. Mm. That, that's actually Vegas? mine. That yeah, you nailed it on really my head. Scar tissue. Like <laughs> Winnipeg is a bad flawed team, but give bad flawed coach Rick Bonus two or three guys that know what they're doing offensively yep. and an elite goaltender, and he will have yeah, yeah hella buck. Like, mm. It's it's Rick Bonus as a coach is an abusive relationship. It's like this. <laughs> I know that this is wrong, but like eh, it keeps working out. You know, like it's if ever there was a, a coach for the Winnipeg Jets right now, mm. it's what would be the thing that would piss the most hockey fans off, right? Yeah. Hellebuck going on a heater, Shifley scoring one more goal than the other stupid team that they're playing. <laughs> and all of a sudden we've got the Jets knocking off, you know, the fun right. golden Michael. knights and Connor McDavid. Like they could ruin the entire playoffs. It's his brand, and that's uh, the series. Yeah, uh. that's what both both the Islanders and the Jets are teams that I understand that the way they play can be very effective and is the kind of hockey that can pull off upsets. It's also the kind of hockey I I just don't want to watch. I don't <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to see those series. I don't no, care like, about that kind of Rick, hockey. Rick Bowman watches the Islanders. Team to a yeah. watches final, and I'm glad that he is gone. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that's it's it's a, a perverse statement to put out into the universe, but we wanted him fired before that playoff run. Right. We wanted him fired at some points during that playoff run. <laughs> we certainly wanted him fired. Like he's he is that guy, and it yeah. drives you crazy. And Winnipeg is going to ruin hockey for everybody this year. Wait, wait, I okay. Like you- I- <laughs> Go on ahead because I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell him to consult your preacher for having <laughs> such foul thoughts and the putting it into the universe like that. Go for it. You're gonna hate me for what I'm gonna say, Sky. What if we get a Stanley Cup final of Winnipeg versus Toronto? I know it'll never happen. Wipe my eyes. Wipe everything <laughs> in, in the shot that you can see right now. I know. Look, I know it can't happen because Toronto just just can't whatever. It's like physically impossible. But just the sheer amount of angry hockey fans. Come on. Angry hockey fans and ESPN executives who are that contract. I disagree. The hockey will... world would unite behind the Toronto Maple Leafs in a way that we don't understand. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I don't know about that. Did no, y'all hear I, I that know. Pierre LeBron actually predicted Edmonton Toronto today? I happen to see that. Uh, that's that's playing for the that. cheap seats. That's that's that's, 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 yeah. that's, that's McFoley yeah. going right here yeah. in X place. That's that's a cheap pop. That's actually, uh, can I can I derail for one moment? What is the ideal final? Just since Ooh. we're talking around it, like not Ooh. not from our like 
you know, way too into the weeds, indie rock band, hockey fandom, <laughs> but like for the, for the randos, right? Like probably. what's the series you put out there for the, for the noobs? I th- probably Boston, Colorado, oh. right? I was going to say the that. Be- the, 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 arguably the best regular season team of all time against the defending champs. Yeah. Like try, taking the belt, I mean, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true. I don't, I don't obvious. I'd also go Boston Edmonton. Just yeah, yeah. you want to, if you want to put McDavid probably. on the national stage to, yeah. for the entire world to see, that's when you want to do it. You need McDavid, yeah. I think. Yeah. Imagine no, McDavid, but- one of the most prolific scorers in NHL history, going up against probably one of the best defenses and goaltending tandems the league has seen in a long time. Yeah, but I think to really capture the noobs, you need full chaos. So I'm thinking like Carolina versus Seattle. Like, uh, what happens the there? Like, Stanley Cup final. The Ron Francis goal here. Oh, wow. just, just total randomness. Like, it would hook so Ron many people Francis just to be like. Match. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would hook a lot of people. I hate to say it, but I do think you, I do think you need some name brands there. So I think the other team from the East that would bring in eyeballs and attention from even casuals would be the Rangers. Because you get, you get yeah. the New York thing, you get the big famous team name plus the kind of stars they have, you know, Panarin, Kane, Tarasenko, all that. I, I think that that is one that could definitely attract a lot of attention if they were especially up against a team like, you know, Edmonton with the best player in the world. That that could be another very uh, lucrative uh, matchup and narrative to uh, to push. Yeah, somehow I feel like uh, asking people to Google Patrick Kane is going to become a huge part of the playoffs. Personally speaking, I feel like that should be outside of the yeah. final. What about the worst? It'd be it'd be Florida, Winnipeg, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If that happens, yeah. if that, if that or, or, happens, or, they could play seven games. It's like no one's getting it this year. Or or, or Jets no. Isles. Yeah, I was going to say, oh the God. Islanders have God. to be involved. Oh the Islanders are involved in the finals. It's going to be me and about maybe 140 other people watching the, the games. And, All in uh, one bar on Long Island. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's in New York City. It's the, the Offside Tavern. Uh, oh, man. Way. The Offside Tavern, I have to tell you, even as a Bruins fan, I lived in New York City for a couple of years. Offside Tavern is the place to be when it's you awesome. want to watch a hockey game. Just reopen a new location. So, yeah, that would be it. But, yeah, no, the 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 NHL would definitely not want the Islanders. And as much as Gary Bettman grew up an Islanders fan studying law at National I'm College. Sure he, games, I'm sure that's what he said at the time. That's exactly what he said. Uh, I don't know. He does not want the Islanders in the Cup Finals. Sure. I don't know. Give me Minnesota, too, as someone who yeah. I don't really want to see in the Cup oh. Finals. No, no offense to Flurry, but, like, do you want to see Freddie Goudreau, Oscar Sundquist? <laughs> Uh, like decrepit Marcus Johansson, like dragging oh his God. way through the finals. An entire team of literally who, right? Well, and and he's <laughs> wait, he's still playing. They're gonna Marcus Felito punching his year. way through the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is just to create a person. This is just like the, the in-game model for the creative person. <laughs> Did this, did this escape contain what happened here? Matt, Matt Dumba still gets traded if they win a cup. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, it's like the EA NHL sports. And it's like, wait, oh, I forgot Minnesota like this literally like exists. Mm. This is like it... third, 10 years into your uh, create a player uh, <laughs> campaign. I think it's like, funny because last year we would have said, yeah, we want to see uh, an amazing Kirill Kaprizov go the mm-hmm. distance. Kirill just fell off a cliff this year. Because mm-hmm. he's got some injuries. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Although, karma getting him back for stealing Jason Robertson's Calder Trophy because he was a goddamn <laughs> professional going up against a rookie, true rookie. I'm, 
I will never retire that anger. <laughs> you don't have not two have versions of being mad about that, do you? There's not somebody else historically who got. I mean, no, over it's, the second, time, it's, it's the second time. It's second time. I get the arguments. If you read the rule, Kaprizov, he should have been the Calder Trophy winner because the NHL defines rookies in a stupid way, and I, I it, it was it was the right decision based on the rule. It's just you cannot tell me that Cyril Kaprizov was a a better first year player than Jason Robertson. That's definitely I, not I mad. Definitely not two different layers of mad. I can feel it just boiling. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that said, take it from Wyatt Johnson this season because yeah, he's that be- credit for carrying Jamie Ben's decrepit ass on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> or or, uh, or you're like uh, Karel Marchenko being better than uh, Johnston or Beniers. Let's uh, I'll throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the goals per game. Look at the goals per game. Okay. Can we go a little deeper? This guy's gonna kill do someone. To do with it? <laughs> I'm just so glad I'm not in this year's fucking race. I don't have to worry about it. Mason McTavish had a very nice year. He's not gonna get more than you know a handful of fifth or sixth place votes, and it's great. I'm so at, excited. At least this year, Beniers is also a rookie. It's just the thing that like. Kaprizov, he'd been a professional for several years yeah. prior to being a rookie, right? It's just, it, it's just, <clears throat> I'm done. That's we're not here to talk about. We're not here to talk about Jason Robertson not getting his flowers. But <laughs> just, that's it. I've, I've said well, the pride of Arcadia, that's California. What this playoff series is about no? Right. Yeah, just yeah. the revenge game. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> right. It's, put him in his place. That's all I say. Four to six revenge games. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vengeance going on. Yeah. <laughs> It's an angry group tonight. <laughs> I guess yeah, seven NHL fans on a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll take this opportunity to uh, we'll start going round by round, uh, matchup by matchup. I'll ask kind of those who are more focused in that division to give their predictions first, but we'll go around each matchup. We'll say who's going to win and why. Let's start with Carolina and the Islanders. We talked a little bit about it already. Dan and PD. Dan, obviously super involved in it as the Islanders guy here. PD, you're heavily in with the Metro. What do you guys think? Dan, you can go first. Oh, thanks. Um, Yeah. um, Like I said, a lot of people are, kind of picking the Islanders to win, which scares me. A lot of people picked the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup last year, which went perfectly well. It was really, really went swimmingly. The whole the whole season was just phenomenal. Um, uh, but yeah, these are two two teams with a lot of flaws. Um, but, you know, I, I do think the Islanders have the edge because of Sorokin. But for the Islanders to win, they're going to have to do something they haven't really done all season long, which is stay the hell out of their own end and not let the other team just sort of shoot at will on Sorokin, hoping that he makes crazy save after crazy save. If they can do that, they'll have a much better chance of winning. But, you know, it's not like the Hurricanes are like an easy matchup. I saw a lot of people like, oh, well, thank God it's not the Bruins. Well, yeah, but it's not like, you know, they, they, uh, they're going to play like, you know, the, the 92 Ottawa Senators or something like that. So uh, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to be sweating it out. But uh, uh, my friend who does the podcast with me, uh, he, he picked Islanders in five. I think that's crazy, uh, but uh, he's a bit of a crazy person, which is why uh, he and I have been doing this for eight years. So that's I don't know, uh, PD. If you're if you're a, a more objective observer here, I'm interested in hear uh, so what you have to say about. It. Yeah. So I, in general, I 
I like the Hurricanes a lot as a team. I think they're a very good team. Uh, I love Brandon Moore as coach. I think he does a phenomenal job. Uh, I mean, they're such a great possession team, and you know that's the way that you can win hockey games, control hockey games. But we saw a flaw in it last year in the playoffs where they just had guys that really struggled to finish. Yeah. You know, they're controlling the possession. They were getting more shots off, getting shots on net, just not getting enough shots in the net. Um, you know, I had Zvech on my playoff fantasy team last year and he did nothing for me. And that was really frustrating, <laughs> but he was, having, he was having a better year this year. Mm. So I was hopeful, but then of course right. him getting hurt, they were, you know, I thought the trade for Pacioretty was a great move to get another proven score and he gets hurt again. And that sucks. Um, so I, I have concerns, you know, there are guys that I like on that team who I think could get hot. Uh, Jarvis could be a low sure. key, I think X factor. Mm. Natchez has really come on very strong. I like Ajo's game a lot. I think he's a good leader for the team. Uh, some interesting things on the back end there. Brady Shea's having a great season offensively. Yeah, he had 18 uh, goals this year, Brady Shea. Yeah, yeah. Spear was also a really yes. good pickup as an offensive defenseman uh, because they've got enough defensive defensemen to cover for that kind of thing. Um, I don't I don't really trust Freddie Anderson that much or any of the other goalies. No like, one should. That's, correct. That's, <laughs> that's kind of a wild kind of thing. No. But they, they, I just I don't know – where the goals are going to come from consistently. And then you're going up against a guy like Sorokin who can play so well and get so hot. Um, so I, what I were, I don't, again, I said, this is a series I'm not looking forward to at all. I expect the games to be a slog. I'm thinking like first to three could win mm. each one. Uh, I do see it going a while again, based on Carolina's history last year in the playoffs. I think this will go six or seven games. I do have, Carolina with the edge though, because I just think they're a better team overall. The Islanders, I just I don't I don't love anything about the skaters that the Islanders have. Um, you know, Barzal and, Hor- Barzal and Horvat are, are good players, but they're not necessarily the great players that you really I don't, I don't think they're dynamic enough to really be game changers. And there's just so many players on the team that are just old. <laughs> That's, yeah. I, I just I just resent a lot about the Islanders. I, I totally believe like, yeah. I, I, I have a, I have a grudge against Cal Clutterbuck that goes back to like fall of 2011. So yeah. uh, I just I can't get behind the Islanders at all here. But I, I do think that their style of play can even the series and uh, make it go longer than maybe it otherwise should. Well, the, the other thing you, you mentioned Barzal, right? The mm-hmm. last time he played was February 18th, and I yeah. think he played a minute and a half. Yeah, right. he got hurt so, in the game against the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. So. when part of your argument for the Islanders winning is that a guy that hasn't played since February is going to come back and make an impact. Like, yeah. I, I get the as, – as, and I'm a Western Conference guy, so <laughs> no bias here. But, like, all of the arguments you're making in favor of an upset, like Shostarkin – or, sorry, not, Sorokin is superior in net. And you can absolutely see a series in which the Islanders eke out a bunch of ugly wins in advance. Mm-hmm. I Carolina is good, <clears throat> I think. I think their problems kill them in round two more than in round one. I just don't think the Islanders have enough. Oh yeah, no. Oh, oh dude, I never think the Islanders have enough. It could be a no. It could be a Tuesday in November against name a team, and I will never think the Islanders are going to win that game. But you know, Barzell um, isn't just like a regular guy. Like he's he's been he could, probably could have come back a couple of games ago, but they want him to be like absolutely one hundred percent. He's he looks ready. He was in you know he and and Horvat had had some kind of chemistry. In the few games they played together. Um, the guy I think a lot of people are sleeping on is Brock Nelson. He had mm. a career high 75 points this year. 
uh, 36 goals, which is, I think, one one below the one he had, the number he had last year. So he's kind of our sneaky X factor. We love Brock. He's like the silent assassin. He never never smiles. He never talks. He's a, he's a low talker from Minnesota, but he uh, he can score, and, and he's got a shot that's a killer. Um, the hurricane I am most afraid of in this series, talking about having grudges, is Jacob Slavin because he scored a hat trick against the Islanders one time at Barclays Center, and I have never recovered from it. I have been – I've had – whenever that guy's on the ice – I'm immediately incredibly afraid, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that. I mean, there's a chance that they could up. I mean, of all the first round matchups, I think there, this has the highest chance for an upset. That being said, the hurricanes are really, really, I mean, they didn't win the division by accident. Like they're really good. Right. Even their goalies, you know, okay. The three of them to the, combined, are they as good as Sorokin? Eh, maybe not, but they still won a combined, however many games this year to win the division. So that's crazy. Oh, the other edge the Islanders have is uh, in the coaching department. Lane Lambert has the hair. Uh, that's better than, you know, Rod Brindamore's abs in my book. So it's kind of a push there too, if you want, but yeah. So I don't know. This is all I can hope for. I mean, the the Islanders season sucked. It was up and down and a roller coaster and they needed all 82 games to make it. So I need this. I really, really need them to win this series in order for me to sleep again. He needs this in order to overcome the feeling of God. We're playing Nashville in December. Yeah. (laughs) A long summer. So don't make me do it, please. Dan, how fast can Bo Horvat speed run pissing off every single NHL franchise? I mean, this is this is what makes him perfect for the Islanders. Everybody <laughs> hates him. So, I mean, every, they're the most hated team in the league. Nobody likes the Islanders. So, for Bo to have pissed off all of Vancouver, perhaps the entire province of British Columbia, he's got to lean into it. Like, dude, you're an Islander now. This is this is the way it goes. Nobody likes you. So, just lean into it. Um, but he walked back those comments, which I was a little... I was a little disappointed. Nobody gave him the, the talk. He should have leaned in. He'll learn yeah. it. He'll learn. He'll and learn. every every press conference just vocally describing how much the American side of the PNW is better. Why <laughs> <laughs> a Trevor Linden jersey yeah. on fire? <laughs> you know, I love better. Always, he just shows I've up in a Mark Messier, Mark Messier is the best. <laughs> Mark, yeah. yeah, right. The my favorite, they've ever my favorite Canuck of all time, Mark Messier. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> All right, in the effort of time for our listeners here, uh, great job, guys. I think that's a great analysis of that first round. Give me a show of hands. Who has Carolina going? One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, all but one. So, and I, I got to be honest. I wonder who it was. I got to be honest. Got I was kind of talked into it because <laughs> I, I, there's a lot about Carolina I'm not particularly fond of. Like, <laughs> I hate Brent Burns, and I can't wait to watch <laughs> him shoot them out of the playoffs. <laughs> By missing the net by five feet, but I think Wes's <laughs> point that those are going to be second round problems is mm-hmm. is a little bit more uh, is a little bit more accurate. I, I really wanted to go with the Islanders uh, because they have the better goalie, and neither team has a ton of finishing talent. But I I do think there's some some concerns for the Islanders just how well the Carolinas rolled through the season. So, yep, makes sense. You know, bringing in your Pacific Division hockey, wisdom though. over there. I'm going to jump across the bracket. and so, Well, let's go Vegas, Winnipeg. I know it's no no team anybody really covers <laughs> here. Vegas. I do have something to say regarding this series. Jump on in. I mean, ta- I'm, I've got, I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my mouth here. Vegas um. weirds me out a little bit with the, with the Mark Stone <clears throat> situation all year, him being out. Jack Eichel just turning himself into an absolute shit heel. Not that he wasn't before the Buffalo trade, but <laughs> I was gonna say he's he always been a shit heel. So. <laughs> How many back surgeries do Eichel and, and Stone have amongst them? And that's your <laughs> the pillar, the core of your team. That, that scares the crap. Infinity. Out of me. 
well, also well, if it's a pillar like that, you should probably get more surgery. Um, <laughs> I think that regarding this series, there are two thoughts that I have that are kind of at odds with one another. The first one is, as a Kraken fan, I want nothing good to happen to the Vegas Golden Knights. I yes. want this series to be as gut-busting, uh, ball-breaking as possible. But on the other hand, I am sick to death of the Winnipeg Jets yep. and their circus. Mm. Every year, it's, oh my god, everybody hates each other. Everybody's planning on leaving or doing some other thing. And then they either get their act together to a point where they can kind of coast into the playoffs, or they play just good enough so that they can rise back up into it. And this year was the best possible example of this. They did fantastically, or at the very least, pretty darn well to start the season and then just coasted the rest of the way. We didn't hear another thing about how you know toxic and insane their rest dressing room was. They've got nothing accomplished necessarily at the deadline. And we're all supposed to treat them as though they're supposed to be like an upset potential no. can i just say they're really boring to watch somehow effective in in the shell game that they play but honestly a trip to the dentist is more fun than watching the winnipeg Robert, you, you really so, can someone explain how kevin chevaldayoff still has a job with just coasting through first round mediocrity the last what five years probably I'm convinced that the Jets are also money laundering, just like the Coyotes. <laughs> That's the uh, only a, a thing I can think of, because their man, their ownership clearly gives zero shits about the team. Uh, the the ownership has fired him three times, but every time he's uh, tried to send it <laughs> to be a private jet. <laughs> I mean, whether it's true or not, we have collectively bought into the notion that you can't trade if you run the Winnipeg Jets, and nobody wants to sign as a free agent if you run the Winnipeg Jets. And that lowers, you know, NHL GMs seem to work with like training wheels, anyways. And when you're the GM of the team that can't do anything, what? You know, like that's we've just all kind of whether it's true or not, we just all kind of accept that. Well, he can't do anything anyway, so why not? And can that's the Winnipeg Jets. Can which, I flip your point on your head there, though? I want to I want to flip your point on its head, though, because you're right. Free agents don't exactly want to sign in Winnipeg, but that means they have to draft really well. Connor Hellebuck, Mark Shifley. Um, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, they've drafted Josh Morrissey. They've drafted well to compensate for the fact that nobody in their right mind wants to go play in the freezing tundra of Winnipeg. It, it's not even the, the 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 tundra that's the problem. It's the the locker room, which I assume is climate controlled. It's, <laughs> it's just they're all a bunch of pricks to it's each other. And climate to... controlled locker rooms are a myth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it, you're right. I, I think it's Wheeler and Shifley in particular. And I, I thought after last year that they really needed a, a culture change and try to ship both those guys out and start anew. Because, and I think that they had a have a good core there that they could build around if they got rid of those guys. You know, if you had, you know, Ehlers and Connor, if you could somehow convince Dubois that he's in Montreal instead, uh, and then with Hellebuck and and then you got Morrissey on the defense stuff. Like that could be a fun new core to build a team around, and with like not Rick Bonus as coach, they'd have something. But yeah, with Wheeler and Shifley, uh, I think just things aren't quite right. 
I, I just I need them to get swept. I need them to just <laughs> okay. Uh, but conversely, Sky, I mean, it's not like the Vegas Knights are of full the of game, guys. Robin. It's the no, but Sky, finally <laughs> happening. Listen, finally, are we finally get... saying that's enough. Get out of here. <laughs> Need. That's what they desperately needed with Mike Wheeler and Mark Schneidley, and they're too stupid to do it. Can we talk? Can we talk about how Vegas has almost had a redux of their inaugural season goaltending wise? How many goalies have they run through this year with Robin Leonard coming going out before the season started? Zach Thompson, the Laurent Brossois. They just have such a roundabout of goaltending, and I don't know whether it's Brossois' net, is t- if Thompson's healthy, if it's his net. They're they're a team that, yeah, they're the best in the West right now, but they're a team that is still deeply, deeply flawed. Well, that's and they're still Jake. The great point about the Western Conference is every team in the bracket has a deep flaw, which is what makes the Western Conference. So if we don't have the, the Bruins or like the monolithic, we're good. Yeah. Like every mm-hmm. team has the one thing where it's like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> well, I hope this doesn't come back to bite us in the ass. <laughs> and, you know, there's his, there's his goaltending. And, and, you know, it's it's injuries as well. Like, you know, Mark Stone is back. And I guess we're all just going to assume that that means he's 100% healthy and ready for playoff hockey and, everything's all right. Nothing to see here. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think Vegas is vulnerable for a lot of those reasons and that their flaws are, you know, pretty, pretty out there. It's hard to hide behind. I have a hard yeah. time picking against Vegas as much as I think Kelly's a quality goalie and, you know, I, I he can win any, any series. I, I'm just not comfortable picking Bruce Cassidy to lose in the first round. Yeah, I mean, they're... I just have entirely too much respect for him as a head coach. And to your point, you know, he's got the team to buy in all year. They've been up and down. They've been had guys going in and out. They've had the goalie carousel, and they've just kind of kept humming along. And they have the high end talent to win games mm-hmm. in three or four minutes. And uh, to me, that's that's what you need. Um, you know, if their goaltending falls off a cliff, then that's the end of the series, obviously. But I, I Bruce Cassidy's just too damn good. Like, I, I just don't think Winnipeg is good enough to beat Bruce Cassidy, basically. I mean, it's a shell game versus, like, somebody who knows how to get the best offense out of his players. So, yes, I would give Vegas the edge there, but... Honestly, I cannot wish anything good on Vegas. And I hope that Jonathan Quick has to come in in relief and he can't stop a single fucking <laughs> like beach go. ball. Like there it could be go. like <laughs> the 200 foot goal. I want to see it happen. I want to see somebody go full Michigan and him fill his entire diaper. Yes, he was a franchise icon for the Kings, but I don't care. So uh, see, he was also a franchise icon for the Jackets, right, PD? Yeah. <laughs> For all of like five minutes. <laughs> all right, show of hands, Vegas. Almost everybody. All right, I, I guess that's a good segue. I appreciate you bringing up. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing up. I appreciate bringing up Bruce Cassidy talking about um, him bringing the best out of Vegas. Let's go to his former team. We talked about the monolith of the Boston Bruins. Mm. Is this just a, is it a cakewalk for the first round? Does Florida put yes. up a fight? Yeah. What, no. what, what do we think? If Florida had a goalie, maybe it would be close. <laughs> but like the Bruins, they, they've got what the Selkie winner, 
They've got a guy that scored 60 goals. They've got a Norris candidate. They've got the best goalie in the league. Like what, what, at what position, not, not better. At what position does Florida approach the Bruins level of excellence? Like literally none. I would argue center depth. Yeah. Center Center depth. depth. Okay. The, uh, okay, yeah, but but not for the Panthers right, like, shenanigans yeah. either. Barkov had a bad, not bad. Bad's the wrong word. Sorry. Bad Barkov relative for him. Down year for his standards. Like an an inadequate season for him is still pretty good, especially yeah. given his defensive value. But I I think that the closest you could maybe say is that. Uh, the underlying numbers say that Florida is a very, very, very good team. They just shoot all the time, and they're trying to get uh, high danger chances all the time. But I, I mean, the, their goaltending is just a complete mess. And if I you mean, have a goalie, it'll you kill can't. You. Yeah, it'll it'll kill you every time. And the guy that they're all waiting for is twenty twenty three Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> Like, He's apparently ready. Alex Lyon has just been playing really well the last couple of games, but Bob is apparently ready to go. Um, I'll toss it to PD. PD, you wanted to talk about the uh, comparisons between the 2018-19 Lightning and that Jacket series and how this kind of matches up. Yeah, because I'm sure that some people are going to try to put this narrative of you know trying to, in terms of searching for weaknesses with Boston, they'll be like, well, the 2019 Lightning, they were record setters and they got swept in the first round and um, that lightning team though, soft might be a, a, an overstatement, but they were a team, I think that was not prepared to get hit in the mouth, uh, metaphorically, and they weren't ready for adversity. Um, they had just kind of sailed through the season and then sort of coasted to the end because they had such a big lead. And the minute things started to go wrong in game one, I don't think they were just mentally prepared for how to handle that. And then it just spiraled out of control for there. And, you know, Hedman was banged up in that series in the first two games and was out for the rest of it. Kucherov was an idiot and, you know, basically ended Nudevara's career. And he uh, then was suspended for a game and all that. So the Bruins, on the other hand, I think are a team that is, well, while have, amazing in the regular season, they are also built for, playoff hockey in a way that they're going to punch you in the mouth right yeah they, they will march in literally you in the mouth yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, literally well he <laughs> will punch you with his mouth That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and i i just jackets, feel like <laughs> go ahead and that jackets team you know they they played that style that was perfect to counter what the lightning were doing and then the second round they played boston and boston could play that same style that columbus was but they could do it better and they'd been doing it for longer. And so it wasn't as much of a matchup. And um, uh, this Bruins seems they are, they're built for that playoff style of hockey. And they've also, they didn't coast like that Tampa team did. This Bruins team seemed like they so much wanted that record and wanted to go past the record. They wanted to not just clear it by a game. They want to clear it by a few games and by a few points and all that. So I think they've got the right mindset for it right depth for it and this panthers team is in a way they're like that jackets team in terms of they are a better team on paper than what their record would indicate because that jackets team had so many so much drama with the bob and panarin contract situation then the fact that they had like duchene that they had acquired at the deadline but they didn't have him until the deadline um so it was a better roster going in than what hit they'd had for the first four months of the season um, and they still, things didn't click until the very end when they got very hot 
to get into the playoffs. Whereas these Panthers, I don't feel like they've ever really clicked here towards them. They've done just enough to get into the postseason, but they're not like red hot coming into it. Like those jackets were, they're not as well coached. I don't think very highly of Paul Maurice, Um, but they do have the talent that I could see them making it a thing, but they don't have the goaltending. And I just don't think they've ever clicked just right this season. And Boston is just so much better than them. I think this is just not going to be enough. I think maybe I would call it a gentleman's sweep where Florida does take a game, but I don't Over think. Time. Yeah, but I, I don't think they, they can take this series. So um, yeah, that's I- for those who don't necessarily know about this Bruins season. The Bruins were the first team in NHL history to have five separate seven-plus game win streaks and did not lose more than twice in a row in regulation. It was a great time to uh, talk about the team. No, it sucked. It was a <laughs> shitty time, Sky. I mean, so- it, was ama- it was amazing because the only thing you had to say is, hey, here's a new record they broke. You know, but they also yeah, they, pretty went, much. They, went, they went about it every single game, and every time a reporter said, "You know, the record's coming up. You guys are just playing so good hockey." And they handled it with such a maturity of, "You know, it's great. We're proud of it. It's not what we're playing for." And I don't know. I'm I wasn't around to focus on the culture of that 2018-19 Lightning team, but the culture since Zdeno Char became captain in 2006, the culture of just plodding along, putting your head down, and doing the right thing. That for the most part, I know some people here don't love Brad Marchand, but <laughs> For the most part of what the Boston Bruins are all about, that's what I think is such a big X factor between the 18-19 Lightning and this Bruins team. And as far as the Panthers go, why did they not keep Andrew Brunette at coach? I feel like that would have made a huge difference for them this season. You don't believe yeah, given his legal race. history of getting like canned in a, in a drunken rampage, he was perfect for South Florida. I don't know. <laughs> but for real though, he actually he also made their hockey the best possible version of it. it was that so fun. Could. Yeah. And Paul Maurice is just it's like going from a Supra to like a like a really old Cimarron, <laughs> one that hasn't been very well kept. You know, so, and it's oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, so I I think the thing for me that I have the question as far as if you're looking at nits to pick with Boston and then I, Sky, I'm just going to ask you straight up. How worried are you that Bergeron and Krejci's legs fall off halfway through a series? Because I, I, I don't, you know, I, you can't Bergeron is like incredible. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. there, I don't feel comfortable saying it's going to happen because they've been too good for too long. But I do think at this point in their careers with all the miles, because to PD's point, this is a team that unlike that Tampa has a ton of experience mm-hmm. of being an incredibly tough series. You've got also some fresh blood in the room. There, there's a lot going on in Boston that I think is great. And I just wonder how much of that is sustainable if Bergeron and Krejci kind of lose their feet halfway through a series. Well, if, if Bergeron lost a leg, he'd play through it. That's sort of the answer then. Um, like you'd have to the he would have to be bleeding out actively in order to pull uh, Bergeron off the ice. But, but jokes aside, like even if he is right, you still have Pasternak. You still have mm-hmm. Linus Allmark. Yeah. You still have Charlie McAvoy. Like this is this is one, and, and we'll talk about this because I'm gonna gloat when we get to the Star Series. 
Boston is going through one of those, and Jake, you'll know this more than I do. So there's there's the soft, there's the hard rebuild where everything sucks for a while, and then you get new players and it's better. And then there's the soft rebuild where you sort of segue from one generation to the next. And you know you're you're absolutely right. Like if Krejci and if Bergeron go four paws up, then the Bruins are in a lot of trouble this year, and they're probably toast. But like. They're not dependent on those two. You know, we saw, you know, we saw Pittsburgh run out of gas down the stretch because Crosby, Malkin, and Latang couldn't quite get it done. We saw Washington run out of gas because Ovi, you know, could, like we've we've seen teams when they mine that one generation and it finally runs dry, fall apart. With Boston, I would say the the reason that that's not an issue is. Pasternak scored 60 plus goals. You know, Brad Marchant is still vital. Like they've got guys and talent and, you know, Taylor Hall, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he, he won an MVP once. He might be pretty good. You know, it's, it's not, yes, they're, they're definitely knock them a tear down if Patrice Bergeron is no longer Patrice Bergeron, but they're not dependent on him in a way that tells you, okay, if he can't go, then they're toast, right? Like, it's harder, but they're mm-hmm. probably okay. I'm actually really glad you guys brought up David Krejci, too, because he hasn't played the last five or six games, Jeez. and arguably the Bruins' best line over that stretch of five or six games was a rebuilt second line of Tyler Bertuzzi on the left wing, David Pasternak on the right wing, centered by Pavel Zaka, who had a career year in Boston. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, if you want to be pissed off at your GM, <laughs> ask him why he didn't go after Tyler Bertuzzi at the deadline. Like, and mm. then not as a, like, tier one, you know, Matty Kachuk trade, but, like, your team needed him, and you didn't get him, and why? It's been impressive all the way around. I don't know if I even need to ask a show of hands. Nobody has the Panthers winning this. I think we're all Boston unanimous here. Yeah, I think best case scenario is it 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 it. it good lord, I'm so articulate tonight. <laughs> Just like the your quote, team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Can't wait till we get to the series Robin cares about. Um. It's okay, they're gonna oh, the lose. Marketing's coming. <laughs> That's right. So, the series you guys are waiting for involves a bunch of ping pong balls. It's okay. Yeah. In 2015, the Ducks swept Winnipeg in I think the second round, mm-hmm. but it didn't really feel like a sweep because Winnipeg played a hell of a series, and they they just got every bad break, and that was a really good Ducks team. And I think for me, that's the best case scenario if you're Florida, is that Barkov and Kachuk and, you know, Ekblad and some of these guys play incredibly well, and you just lose like four straight 2-1-3-2 games. Like that uh, Preds-Av series last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I would say it might even be closer than that, because I don't really feel like the Preds were within spitting distance. I mean, how, even if Walmart yeah. goes down, like, do you still you still take the Bruins with Swayman over? Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I trust Swayman, but the Bruins are deep enough that they can really overcome most of his flaws. So, I mean, you trust even him. if Swayman is a little shaky in net, which he's he seems a little inconsistent. Like he's every really time I've seen him. Go ahead, Ted. He's a little inconsistent, but I think the best way to describe him as a goaltender is that you're going to get two 
You're always going to get two <laughs> with him, but that third one is going to be a nightmare to get. And that's been <laughs> sort of how they win their games with him. He's been very good, but he will occasionally, like once every three, four, five games, drop a sub 900 game and and then the entire fan base is like, oh, I don't know about him. And that game, be back. The game against Montreal, the last regular season game, you're hoping is oh his last gosh. once in a blue moon. The game against <gasps> Seattle in January was an interesting Just one as well. <laughs> I know. That, that I entire know. game against Montreal would have been perfectly fine. Rem Pitlick is like on the half wall, like just stay in net, let him come from wide. In any case as well, the Bruins were also the first team in NHL history with a 40 win goalie and a 20 win goalie. So I will give them credit there. They're not bad. Um, let's They're finish right. this coaching carousel too, because where did Jim Montgomery come from? St. Oh <laughs> Louis as an assistant by way of Dallas as a head coach and that Drink Dallas up, Minnesota series. <laughs> I uh, admittedly, I have a love for Jake Ottinger. He and I are both Boston University guys. I've seen Jake since he was a little kid, a little tyke, a little freshman at <laughs> BU, a little baby. His ability to steal games is just up there with the best of them. And with the defense that Dallas can sometimes put in front of him, he needs to be that rock solid goalie. I don't remember the last time you guys had that like star quality goalie in net. And he's been such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, he's been great, and it, it's been an interesting like Dallas traditionally, right? They went from they they went from Belfort to Turco, then from Turco to you know um, Lettinen, who before he got his head caved in was was that guy for a while. They just couldn't get him any help, and and you know Andres, there's always we've been we've been you know really lucky to have the guy between the pipes. Uh, the the weird thing about this year's stars is for for years it's been one offensive line, a goalie, and let's hope they don't score more than we do. And for the first time, there's offensive depth at the expense of defense. And this is a team that's really embraced the idea that we can we can give up a little bit because Ottinger is going to bail us out, and you know we can trade some, the stars can trade rush chances a little bit more than in the past. And they'll probably win that game with with the way that the you know the second, third, and, and some some degree fourth line goes. So it's it's um, yeah he's he's been fantastic, and the team in front of him has sort of embraced that, and they're they're they've scored more. Which after going from, you know Ken Hitchcock to Jim Montgomery's brief tenure to Rick Bonus is a very strange sensation <laughs> as a Stars fan. Yeah, uh, I think the big thing that just gets me when looking at uh, these two teams is then you when you were talking about depth, um, I've I've just got this look this uh, sheet here of the kind of players that you have in their depth, and it's all guys who have been fairly good even in uh, maybe less than ideal situations. And man, that center depth looks amazing right now. Yeah, that center depth of the stars looks incredible. But I think it's also going to be the the big thing that gets them over the hump here, because uh, looking at the Wilds' uh, depth, like I like players like Matt Zuccarello. I like guys like Matt Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, Marcus Johansson. But then Frederick Gaudreau, who did just get paid. And I'm very proud of him for getting paid. <laughs> get that because, bag. Yeah, get the bag because uh, uh, not quite sure his uh, results earned it. And then it's like like Marcus Felino, Ryan Reeves, 
And I know that I will not stand any Ryan Reeves slander. It's not slander. <laughs> it's not slander. He's not. He's not good at the like skating, passing, it, scoring it, goals part of hockey. Like yeah, he will. He will absolutely mix it up with these guys and cause a lot of trouble. But then he's got then like just the. He's gonna What's sucker going Jamie Ben into something. No, well, yes. so so low key, and, and this is this is something that Stars fans would go to the mat on, like the the whole Reeves Ben feud in the bubble playoffs. We we as fans loved because whenever he's on the ice, the team is bad. Mm. And yes, mm. like as an individual, if I'm having a face punching contest, I will absolutely pick Ryan Reeves. He will punch you in the face more than the other guy will. But this. In, in the playoffs, you have to progress the puck and you have to score and you have to like he's he's not good at hockey. And this this lionization of like he was bad in the stars night series when Dallas eliminated Vegas. Like he wasn't good and he's not good. And I will love as a stars fan, like let's let's focus on him and let's talk him up and let's do I will do whatever I can to get him on the ice as much as possible. Because that's a benefit and an advantage for my the, squad. The Rangers brought him in specifically to toughen them up in the playoffs mm-hmm. after uh, Tom Wilson had roughed them up. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, uh, yeah, he was traded to Minnesota. So I'm he, sure they're getting the same spiel out there that not, we got here. <laughs> I, think and, uh, that I don't think it's going to work. The, the, it's more for me like the, the subtractions that have happened to the Wild over the course mm-hmm. of the season. Like, Mason Shaw's on injured reserve. Joel Erickson Eck with like maybe a week left in the season is out. Yep. That's a big loss. John Klingberg, who maybe hasn't had the season that he wanted, but he's still good. And is he? well, he's within Many acceptable per- inquiring minds. <laughs> he's within <laughs> acceptable parameters of hockey player. <laughs> he if tried to pull a Taylor Hall and didn't end up on the right team. If yeah. you can shelter him and play him on the power play, Klingberg is still good. If yeah. you have to ask him to do anything else, you're in a lot of trouble. And yeah, I say that I, I will be a Klingberg stand until they they close down the last rink in the universe. But the I, I, I want to backtrack one name there that you brought up is Joel Erickson Eck. That leaves Ryan Hartman as your first line center in Minnesota. That's the X factor that kills the Wild here. Former Dallas star Ryan Hartman, by the way. <laughs> Except he didn't know that because he was fishing on his boat. But. <laughs> It's just, I look at that 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 depth, that center depth, and um, there, are, it's just not enough. It's not even close to enough. I really like their wing, but I just don't know if mm-hmm. they're going to get the face-off wins. I don't know if they're going to be able to get that uh, that dynamism that made them quite as good as they were last year to you know really improve and really take it to the stars in a way that the stars will do every game like it's old hat for the stars to do the to play the way that they do and i will say the the interesting thing from the stars perspective is that that they have been underdogs since i mean it goes back to you know the bill you know 2002 right bill garen's version like the the we look like we're we have track marks on our arms getting beat by the anaheim you know shigar and the ducks right like it's it's been that long since dallas was a favorite in the series and any recent, you know, postseason success Dallas has had has been fighting from underneath, right? So the 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 thing is, this is the first line. Dallas should win the series. They're they're better across the board. They they can roll four lines. Pete DeBoer has done a fantastic job. Everybody's playing career lows. I think if you get into like 
per minute scoring. Jason Robertson looks even better than he, he didn't average 20 minutes a night and he had 109 points, right? Like they had, you know, uh, Miro Haskinen, right? Doubled his points total, set the Dallas Stars season, you know, single season record in defenseman scoring and didn't sacrifice a single thing defensively, right? Which was his calling card coming into the season, right? Everything about this team is superior to Minnesota, but that's the first time Dallas has gone into a series looking at them and saying, well, yeah, you guys should win this one. And if you don't, you you kind of blew it, right? Like we we're all expecting Ottinger to, to resurrect what he looked like in Calgary last year. They, they lost that series, but by no fault of his, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody's healthy. There, there is nothing, you know, the, the only thing you can really say negatively, like they, they called up Thomas Harley with a week left in the season. He's playing 16 minutes a night looking like an NHL defender, right? That means fewer minutes for Ryan Suter who might be cooked. So, you know, there's, there's so many things in the positive ledger that you, you almost think that, well, okay, this is the series where somebody screws up and it all goes for a pause, right? That's, that's the fear because, you know, Sky, you're right. There, there's just, there's no phase in the game when you look at this team and say, well, they, they should be able to handle business and it might be six games and it might be a, you know, they might be tight games, but they, they won more than they lost against, I think they were, uh, they won two in regulation and, and won an overtime lot. They, they beat Minnesota. It, it should be a win, but that makes Stars fans nervous because it's the first time we've gone into a series thinking, well, they should they should have this. They're, they're okay. Like, we're all right. You remember <laughs> when Nils Lundqvist was like the – it was the rebirth of this guy who was just traded from the Rangers. He scored – what? Did he score on the opening night or within the first five games of the season and then fell off a cliff? Yeah. yeah yeah he's he's it's it's the classic like and I, I i could spend an hour talking about this ryan Suter makes a mistake and we excuse it because he's a veteran you can predict it mm-hmm. nils lundquist makes a mistake and he gets into the press box for a month because you got to learn the game right it's it's you know he's we'll see uh, they traded a first rounder for him and i think he's he's a move for the future and he, I, he should be playing look at the numbers he deserves to be playing but that's just not the way NHL coaching orthodoxy works. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Is this another yeah. unanimous? Does everybody have Dallas here? Yeah. 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 Are yeah. yeah. You're Church. not getting me to say anything positive about a team with 400-year-old uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in net. Like, <laughs> I, I yes, really I would think actually... the Wild, the wild ruined it. They had their shot last year. Yeah, Wild had every opportunity last year to make a real serious push. That team was incredible, and they fucking blew it. And now they're just going to be like, "Oh well, we have Kirill still." And it's like, cool. He's got pull the sword out of his chest. He said it's dying. I will never believe the Wild are good. I don't care who's on it. Worry your starter. No, it's Gustafson. It, this feels like one of those. I'm spending seven million dollars on a player on the other team. Can somebody who knows economics help me with my finances? My children are dying. That, that player is Zach Parisi. Spending less on Mark Andre. Oh, Dan, that's a good one, right that there. Player is Zach Parisi, and he had 21 goals for the Islanders this year. But it's and it's we dumb NHL coaching, right? If if you start the career, it's Flurry. If you start the season, it's Gustafson. So mm. it'll be really interesting to see like what what the Wild do because it should be it should be the beast, but like. They're going to start flurry, and that's yeah. a bad decision. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. Congratulations All right, that puts to a multi-goal uh, game one. <laughs> well, that puts us about halfway through the brackets. I intentionally left our, I'd say, the four most chaotic matchups mm. for last. Let's head Toronto 
and Tampa Bay. I feel like with the way the Atlantic is structured, we get some rotating version of this at like the last two or three years between Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, some version of it every year now. Toronto every year will say, this is our year. We've got this. We can do this. Mitch Marner was awesome this year. We have maybe competent goaltending like they think they have every year. (laughs) Tampa fell off a little bit. It's the start of the real hangover and the effects of winning so many Stanley Cups and what it's done to their cap. Their trade deadline, I will now consider a failure considering Mm. the injury to Tanner Janot. This is going to be a wild one. I I think this is the year Toronto does it. I hate to say it. It feels like Charlie Brown of the football, but I really do think it's <laughs> Toronto's year finally. I, well, when, I when do... you're wrong, it's a nickel for the therapy I'll give you. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Toronto on paper has an edge, but then again, um, you know, Tampa fans seem to think that Tampa has also fallen into this sort of safe space where they're like, yeah, once we make it to the playoffs, kind of like what Petey was talking about in like 2018, where they're like, yeah, we can totally just like turn it on and just be like fucking amazing. So on paper, yes, Toronto has the edge over Tampa, but I don't know. I mean, that playoff experience really does count. I know it's cliche, but like it does matter. Well, and here's another thing I wanted to throw out to you guys uh, that one of my uh, writers brought up tonight because I was thinking like this is obviously going to be a seven game series just like last year or whatever. And, and, but I, I, but the, he pointed out if it goes to game seven, he thinks that Toronto would lose because nope. it's going to yes. be another game seven. Would you agree that that would be the factor or do you think they can overcome that? Absolutely. I think the the, the big thing that they have to overcome, like specifically the Leafs have to overcome is and this is admittedly something I can't necessarily quantify, so I'm not necessarily as confident in saying that this is the thing that you need to be careful of. But with the Lightning especially, they are the best lawyers in the NHL. <laughs> they are so good at whinging at the ref. They are so good at playing the officials for fools. They are so good at taking the inherent unfairness of playoff hockey and weaponizing it. And Toronto does not like that. As a team, Toronto really struggles with that. And, and they whine a lot. Well, the, well, the fans <laughs> whine a lot, but like they don't do. I know, but so does the whine. team. They oh, don't do much, especially as much yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but this time they have a Matt Murray who can just kick the uh, moorings <laughs> off the post and just let the goal go away. I mean, you could, but then who's going to be right there? It's going to be Nikita Kucherov yelling about when and when if or not it came off the the, the its pegs or not. Yeah. I it they're obviously the Leafs are in the best position they have ever been in yeah. to uh, advance to the second round. They have every advantage possible at least on paper and they have shown throughout the regular season they can play tampa well Mm -hmm. but you just gotta do it just do it i I, I gotta goalie in that series it's sam sonoff probably yes yeah that's an advantage that's uh, it's a big question i'm sorry but like vasilevsky versus toronto's goalie that's not an advantage yeah but Zasia has looked really human this year. But he even as even would you take he can still steal your games. You're, if you're Toronto mm-hmm. and somebody offered you right now the opportunity to swap Vasilevsky for your guy, 
current season, current performance, you Ooh. take that whistling, right? Absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Because he can turn it on. I think he can turn it on for the playoffs. He, I, I would argue that he doesn't have to turn it on to win. If <laughs> Vasilevsky doesn't turn it on and it's just the guy that we've seen all season, that's still probably an advantage for the for the Bolts. Yeah. Mm. I have the yeah. hottest of takes for this matchup. I think that Tampa does it in six and that Leaf fans riot with that loss on home ice and don't let Dubas and Keith leave the building until they're fired. Well, maybe you're sending them all the way to Pittsburgh. So Matthews, Matthews dropped what? 21 points versus what he scored last season. The Toronto crease is a mess. Um, Tampa Bay, yeah, we, we they they played a lot. All the the narratives they played a lot of games involved. I I don't see why this year they're worse than they were last year in a game after game matchup. And it's also a little bit of the it's the old Tom Brady cliche, right? Like I will I will bet against Tampa Bay as soon as they lose, and I will bet for Toronto as soon as they win. Well, to, to counter that, it, I don't know that Tampa has to be worse than they were last year because I think Toronto is for the most part better than they were last year. And also last year's series came down to so many coin flips. So the coin could just flip the other way. Yep. Even if, even if everything else goes the same way, a few bounces here or there, it could be a Toronto series. All right, Jake, I got you beat for hot takes. Let's hear it. Give me Toronto in five. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Just about it's one of those things where, like, at a certain point, if a team is what, if a team is like, I don't like, just to fucking steal the meme, if they're him, <laughs> they make it happen. And I think the year that Willie Nylander has had has brought so much balance to their ability to be competitive and win matchups like lower down the thing. I loved the Ryan O'Reilly pickup. I think it was a great move. I think what he brings to that team is incredibly valuable. Um, I, I think there's a real chance that like, if they get out of that first round that they, you know, they make some serious noise and some real pushes. I obviously the Samsonov thing is, you know, you, you never know. He'd obviously, it's weird that you don't want to go back to Matt Murray, who I think has two cups technically, but like, does he? And, you technically? Know, and I mean, Matt Murray's not I coming just, back. It's Joseph Wall if Sansonov goes down. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, That's I true. just think, I just think Toronto is going to get there. I just but, think the players at the top of that lineup are entirely too good. You're pulling the the broken clock is right twice a day, kind of. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Here, yeah. But so yeah. here's here's the thing with Toronto to me. The biggest thing that they have to overcome is themselves. Within their yes. culture over the last decades, their history of just choking away winnable series is for them. To me, this season in and of itself, too, is what Dubas did. Yeah, the O'Reilly trade looks great, but he futzed so much with that team, with Achari, with Sam Lafferty, with um, Gustafson. It, there's a, at some point, you can only do so much, and you mess up the team chemistry as a whole. They really got off on a flat foot after the trade deadline, and now they're adding in Matthew Nyes somehow from Minnesota to play on their second line. I just think it's too much. It's too much futzing. It's too much in their head. It's a part of their culture and to me just 
so endemic of what Toronto is about right now. Like, See, my that. counter to that would be the guys that they brought in don't care about any of that shit. Yeah. Like, they have none of-, none of that sitting on their shoulders. So if anything, I think it... I think you make a very valid point that you can make too many minor moves and really detract from the whole. But I think the players that they got make sense for what they're asking them to do. And I just think the team has a level of depth and balance that they haven't had before. And these star players at the top are getting better every year. But it's those, it's those players that matter who have been through that stupid shit. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, mm-hmm. Riley. If it gets in their heads and you have to, yeah, you can rely on O'Reilly here and there. But if you're relying on like Alex Kerfoot, Zach Aston Reese, and David Kampf, if Matthews or Marner happen to run dry, I don't know what you're getting out of that team. I mean, look, if every, it's the same for every team, right? There's really not any team that if their best players go cold, they can win. Right, it, it's basically impossible. Like we've seen it with great teams, we've seen it with mediocre teams. At the top of your lineup, can't produce your fuck. But I do think they have, you know, legitimate two different versions of a of an NHL caliber top line, mm-hmm. and I think that matters. And I to to your point, I think the the critical thing that they've done is get guys who can tough through it who Mm -hmm. go through, have gone through bad, rough playoff series. And one of the things that always kind of got me throughout the many, many times that the Leafs choked away a playoff series is that when it started to look bad, um, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner started to get physically um, rattled by it. Mm -hmm. Like You could see it on the bench that they were getting rattled by it. But guys like Ryan O'Reilly, guys like Nola Chari, they've been here before. They know what to do in these situations. They've got the, I think they finally have an influence that is just enough to keep them from getting all, oh God, if I do something wrong, everything's going to fall apart. They have, I think, the best chance out of any year that they've ever done this to take on a team that has been, frankly, kind of underperforming to the point where John Cooper had to say something about it. Like, got in front of a camera and said, this isn't acceptable. Like, right. you you are, the football is not being held up by anyone. All you have to do is just walk up to it and kick it. So just do it. This is, the, they have no one to blame but themselves if they can't kick this ball. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for some of us, that will be their downfall. For some of us, that will be their saving grace. <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's get a poll here. Are we kind of split down the middle here? Tampa, raise your hand. One, two, three, Toronto. One, two, three. Uh, first split down the middle. I'm impressed. There hasn't been a first series that there hasn't been a very overwhelming majority towards one side or the I other. I need the Lightning to win this series. I need <laughs> them to win. <laughs> content, I need content wise, the Lightning <laughs> yes. must win this series. Oh, all the memes. Yes. Bring there on isn't all the anybody memes. on Tampa that you'd have it, or on Toronto going deep would be an issue for you, right, Dan? No, nobody, nobody I'm <laughs> nobody I have a lifelong grudge against and <laughs> hope only the worst things happen. No, absolutely not. Well, our, the worst things have already happened to him. He's day to day. So, yeah. congratulations, it worked. <laughs> well, Sky, you talked. To, Sky, you talked about teams who are adept at deep playoff runs. Let's talk about the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche and your sure. Seattle Kraken. I think mm-hmm. it's a really underrated series. I think this is going to be a ball of fun. It is going to be really fun. Um, one, th- a lot of people really don't think that the Kraken are going to, you know, 
try try to uh, actually like win because <laughs> it just seems it just all the evidence suggests that the Avalanche are deeper. The Avalanche have better defense. The Avalanche have infinitely better goaltending. But throughout this regular season, and I know the regular season is not the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, it was all but one game that Seattle really took it to Colorado. And they played them really well, and Colorado got frustrated by them. And that includes having the uh, the high-impact star power that the Avalanche have. So I think this is going to be closer of a series. Um, obviously, uh, Colorado is still at a baseline better than most teams in the Western Conference, which you're just going to have to live with that. But Seattle got back into it through a combo of, admittedly, good shooting luck, but they got Matty Beniers going. They got a great system from Dave Haxtell, of all people. Um, they got... I know uh, the they got a great smooth skating uh, setup. They got found money in Ellie Tolvanen uh, from the Predators. They got their defense to uh, be part of the offense with Vince Dunn really putting up, and they managed to get a half decent couple of games every here or there from Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones, which does help. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to be true in the playoffs because, you know, the pace of play shoots up so fast and, you know, any one mistake could cause the whole thing to spiral out of control. But this is going to be a really interesting series, in my opinion. This is yes. Seattle's sacrificial lamb. Mm. So, you yeah. know, they're yo- they're young. They're uh, as a franchise, clearly playoff and experience is their first franchise playoffs in history. But you know, it, this will be good for them, regardless of how many games it goes. I think it does nothing but good things for the Kraken. It, how it, healthy it, uh, are the abs? That's what I want to know. Uh, the Gabe Landeskog news really hurts them. Josh Manson out. Kale McCarr still day to day. Cogliano day to day. That definitely hurts them. I, I, I think Loki Seattle has a good chance then. I'd say Landeskog doesn't hurt them at all because he didn't play this season. Right. That's yeah. true. They did what they like, did without him contributing. That's true. Yeah. And I don't know if I agree with that because like, look look at what Nathan McKinnon did that last game of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Make or break, need to win to win their division and take on the Kraken. Otherwise, it's um, Dallas's division. McKinnon just put the team on his back. And that's the difference right now between yeah. a team like Colorado and a team like Seattle. But where Seattle has a future, I think next this coming offseason is where Seattle can start to go splurging for those superstars. You have one in the making in Maddie Beniers, but now you can go and start and put the, that like established name brand talent on that team to keep that kind of momentum going. Well, well, they did and, have it in Barkovsky. It's, it's McKinnon, but Rantanen had 50 goals. Rantanen yeah, is unbelievable. Like, After Rantanen how cold looks, he went last year. Yeah, like they they the the big thing that is going to I think put the Avalanche over the top is their high impact star power. Like as you said, Gabe Landeskog hasn't really been in this uh, season much at all, and they still ended up winning the division. They still played unbelievably. They still got a lot of depth that just frustrates you no matter what they're doing. But uh, losing Kale McCarr is a huge blow. Yeah. Like Jack Johnson's playing second line, pair, second pairing minutes. Like, Jesus, you don't want that to be the case. 
that's that's that could be rough. Makar and, will be back at some point in the series, so yeah, take advantage of it while you can. But yeah. you know, they've, they've also got Taves though, who yeah. is a pretty good defender in his own right. So yeah. if he's got to step up and be the guy, he's not as dynamic as Makar, obviously. But mm-hmm. in terms of doing the things that a number one defenseman has to do, he can do it. But yeah, I think this is a, a matchup where it's. It's guys versus dudes, and Colorado has multiple of those guys that can be dudes. You know, McCann, you know, McCannon, Ranson, McCarthy's he's healthy, can take over a game. And Seattle has the depth to stay in a game. And like, like Steve, like you had said too, like a series that could be over in five games, but every game feels really, really close. I think this could be that kind of series. You know, I don't read a lot into the regular season because. Colorado had a target on their back all season. So, of course, Seattle was going to get up for that game. That's going to be their measuring stick game to show that they're up to the level. Yeah, we can hang with Colorado. Whereas Colorado is not going to necessarily take Seattle as seriously as of an opponent. I think for a playoff series, though, it's going to be different. And Colorado is going to be giving 100% for that game. Uh, but really, it's, I just don't know when the when it comes down to it, who is going to be that guy to step up for Seattle and get the goals when they need to, to take the game over when they need to. Uh, although anyone who has followed me online long enough knows who I think the X factor is going to be for the Kraken. Daniel uh, Sprong. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could be. He was really good this year. But but uh, there's a guy, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who I believe I have read is the, uh, has the most playoff goals in Blue Jackets history. Uh-huh. Which admittedly is a very low Seven. bar, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not even that much. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, I think the it's like five or six. Is one for one. But he had, no, or, or it was three. He has no. He has the lead in in game winners. He has like three postseason game winners in his history. So he's a guy who has maybe been a little sleepy, a little unlucky, maybe with his shooting, but. Uh, that's a guy who can take it over in the postseason, but I don't think it's enough against a team like Colorado. I do want to turn it back around. Take. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, underestimating the Kraken will be the Avalanche's downfall. Mm. Oh, wow. how many games? I think if Seattle can push Colorado, beyond, if, if game six goes to OT, I think game seven will be a coin flip. And I really do mm. think that if, Seattle brings their everything. It, it's a slim chance, but there is a chance that I feel like if if Colorado underestimates Seattle and Seattle brings everything in, in that last game, that Seattle could probably just win some random error, like basically like what they've done in the last two seasons. Like they'll just... second year expansion team beats defending Stanley Cup champions <laughs> in the playoffs. That's a total NHL thing to happen. No, you're I'm sorry. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. <laughs> I, I have a counter hot take. Oh, yeah. yes. okay. This, okay. Is, this is the least competitive series in the entire playoffs. Okay. Are you going really? to be here? Could be asleep. I, Wait, but my, you're going I mean, up against Bruins and Florida, and you think this will be less competitive? Florida would beat the Seattle Kraken handily. Wow. Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't agree with that. They're bad on the power play. They're bad on the penalty kill. They're bad between the pipes. They wait, do not wait, have wait. Didn't they have player. a great it's power play this year? Been, they had a great power play to start, and then the it just Kraken, they're, fell they're off. They're 19.8% heading yeah, into the postseason. The, it, after think, after the after the new year, it just kind of fell apart. Which I admit that is going to be a huge 
issue coming into this is that you know they get a bunch of penalties they just don't score on them like they're, that's they're really 70, that's they're 76 70, 77% on the penalty kill they're 19% on the power play they've got yeah. Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer in net mm-hmm. they have like there's there's nothing there it's it's they they were a a great regu- they, they had a great regular season when you can't game plan as much against a specific matchup they had you know scoring by committee they they had inflated you know shooting percentage stats like this this is the team that's going to fold like a stack of cards once a good opponent has the opportunity to game plan against them the McCarr injury scares me if I'm an Avis fan because yeah if, if he can't go does that gut the so just for example like Colorado is I think 24 and a half percent on the power play you know Seattle's sub 20 right like if if McCarr kills the special teams then this might be a series but there's the there's nothing there you know I'm I want to turn that around a little bit because. One of the we talked a lot a little bit about it that Colorado can just turn guys into like those dudes who you need to be. And one of those power play specialists who they brought in from Pittsburgh last year, I will give myself another little Boston University pat on the back here is Evan Rodriguez, mm. a guy who was a scrub in Buffalo, a guy who was basically all but done really turned his career around and has continued to do so with Colorado. Andrew yeah, Rodriguez, the new Ryan O'Reilly. He's not just a, he's not just a Mark Donk. So, yeah. <laughs> I just I mean, think that Colorado is that deep, and they turn guys into dudes that the McCarr injury won't matter. I will yeah. say though, games three and four, I think are going to be must see TV because I think that that building in Seattle is going to yeah. be rocking for their first playoff games. That is always so fun to watch when a fan base gets their first taste of live playoff hockey. That is going to be a sweet environment for sure. Oh yeah, Climate See, Pledge is a, a wonderful place, so I, I expect that to be a very loud building yeah. as well. I mean, I get a little bit of that eighteen Blue Jackets vibe from the Kraken. They are going to scrap the hell out of the Avs. They're going to give them all they can. Yeah, see, there was like, yeah, you see that Jackets team had guys like Artemi Panera and Matt Duchesne though, and Zach. That, guy, that team had like gold exactly right. though. We, 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 we had to, we, we, those guys were dudes, you know. <laughs> not, not yet. Hey, All Martin right. Jones is is a person, <laughs> technically. Not even a guy, just a person. <laughs> he's an enemy. I'm actually pushing it, Sky. <laughs> and, uh, right. There's just no like the the West was flawed this season, but the the Pacific Division, right? Vancouver was a train wreck for a lot of the season. Oh Calgary never really <laughs> put it together. Daryl like, Sutter. I'm just let, let me do a quick raise of the hands here. People say avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little different. You just brought up the Western Conference and the Pacific Division. Let's keep it there. Let's talk about Oilers Kings. Another bit of a chaos matchup. <laughs> this this arguably was one of the funnest first rounds last year. Yeah. I think it's going to bring that same type of excitement this year. Yes. Well, it's a lot of it has to has an asterisk it's and it all says we will see it depends on so many factors so like for the first time in years the kings are actually a fairly deep team and i think they were like third or fourth overall in terms of like goals scored um just like the amount of goals scored and about 
23% of their actual goals this year came on the power play. So something that Kings fans haven't seen in a long time is a well-operating power play. The problem is now also, um, not only is that the Oilers have a best in class, like 35% um, power play from the, uh, from this year, but Kevin Fiala for the Kings is hurt. And Fiala was really what brought and kind of solidified their depth. So if there's no Fiala, this series probably may not be as close as it's going to be on paper because he has been so instrumental into making this team actually fun again. I'll yeah. counter that a little bit. Edmonton's penalty kill is under league average. It's bang so on seven. It's bang on 77%. But the, if you're talking about a team that scores so many of its goals on the power play, good to go up against an average penalty kill rather than, say, Dallas, who's got an 83.5% penalty kill rate. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's funny because when I was. Seattle, by the way. <sighs> well, <laughs> I think the. I think the. The, the, the critical thing that we have to be careful of is that anytime that we are talking about the Oilers, we have to inevitably come to the fact that uh, there is no answer necessarily for what their top line has. And that it, it, they have brought a nuclear warhead to the arena and they can take as many prisoners as they want. The, like yes. There's eventually, eventually, um, the Kings have to overcome that. And I think that's critical to actively stymieing the Oilers. Gosh forbid they actually find a way to do that. Is, and is you, of course, are referencing 100 point score Ryan Nugent Hopkins. When you of course, I am. <laughs> Our Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to lead them all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Of course, I'm talking about <laughs> Former first round pick. Yeah, yeah, and look don't, at that. Finally, finally come good. Don't sleep on Leon Dreisaitl either, guys. Mm-hmm. No, do it. 32 fucking power plays. Power play goals. Like, Leon Dreisaitl is ridiculous. 32 power play goals. He mm. scored more than all of the Kings except for, like, two, yeah, one person, and that was Adrian Kempe. But in terms of defense, the Kings know a little bit they're a little bit more familiar with um, Connor McDavid, especially after seeing him last year. And Mikey Anderson was able to really get the better of him. Now, what's going to be interesting to see is how dirty McDavid gets. And yes, I'm sorry, he is fucking dirty. He's mm-hmm. dirty as hell because he actually took a flying elbow in the last season series game of the regular season to Mikey Anderson's head. It's like, bro, like, calm down. He wants to and, and, on every league record now, doesn't he? <laughs> he's, it's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, the, he's a star, so obviously he gets away with it. People complained about the same thing with Ovechkin and Crosby, where they're, like, really dirty. Um, but it's just – if it, and having Drew Doughty back, and he's been really studying Connor McDavid's game, and that's something that he talks about in all his interviews, how excited he is every time that he goes up against Connor McDavid and how he makes it his personal mission to shut down McDavid. So the matchups will be really interesting to see if Doughty gets McDavid a lot or 
if the Oilers coach is going to separate him and test more of the unknown with Gavrikov. Because, I mean, Gavrikov has been great for the Kings, but he obviously he hasn't been through a playoff run with them. And can he, I make I a, can I make a suggestion to the Kings coach? <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. And <laughs> poorly. Well, I mean, home team has the advantage in the in the uh, the lineup, Sky. So uh, Kings are at a disadvantage there in that they slipped to third after having like four points on the Oilers, and then you just, just lost to Anaheim. This would have been the Kraken's problem. (laughs) You know, speaking of former Blue Jackets, though, here's what's so interesting to me about this series is goaltending on both sides. You look at last year's Kings goaltending and Jonathan Quick was very slow, slow to everything. And then now they've got Jonas Corposalo, who's definitely better, and Phoenix Copley, who's been able to steal them some games. The thing that will always stick to me, like in like how Toronto game sevens will always stick in my mind for me. Edmonton goaltending. Will they turn into pumpkins? Stuart Skinner is gonna really be battle tested. And if he goes down, do you want Jack Campbell in Ooh. net for you? No, you don't. That, that, no, you don't. That no. Like so that, that, that's where the, and that's that's the, the series, right? Like it's it's you know, Jonas Corposalo is a huge upgrade this year over John Quick. Like huge, cannot be counted. And the Kings in front of him are a very solid team. So you, you get exponential improvement by taking a good defensive team, a very good defensive team, and putting in a, a good defensive goalie behind them. But Stuart Skinner has been good this year. And it's you so have good. first year all stars plus point scorers in McDavid, Dreidel, and you know, we joke, but Nugent Hopkins, like Edmonton is very good. So yes, if Stuart Skinner falls off a cliff, they're they're in a lot of trouble. But at this point, would you rather bet against McDavid and Dreisaitl producing offensively or bet against Jonas Corposalo being the pivot point in a series with the league's most valuable and best, you know, player? Well, it all honestly, I think that it's it's probably going to be Copley who's going to get the start just because, you know, he came in at like a really pivotal time. He earned the coach's trust, blah, blah, blah. You know how hockey coaches are. Mm -hmm. So I, my gut feeling is that they turn to Copley first. And if he kind of shits the bed, then they're going to go to Corpusalo who has been, um, you know, really, really steady for them. In fact, I would say he's been an improvement over the same amount of games that they played, but you know, you can't take micro statistics like that and kind of separate it out from the team as a whole and just say this guy has been better because, you know, the numbers say this. But in terms of like, would I count against the Kings defense and goaltending if Edmonton's goaltending goes down? I kind of would. Yeah, a little bit, because like I said, especially after last year and, and Dowdy being hurt last year. Now it's more key than ever that for Dowdy, um, it's personal for him. He really wants this. So he's going to get up more than ever for every game. And I think the the trouble is going to be Evander Kane. Evander Kane's a fucking asshole. So, he's also a really good player, as much yes. as it hurts my soul to say yeah. that out loud. But also, yeah, to your to your point about narratives, right? Like, would you rather take I really want this 2023 Connor McDavid 
or I really want this 2023 Drew Doughty. Is it weird to say Ken Holland did probably one of the smartest trades at the deadline this year since Oscar Clefbaum. Uh, I feel so awful for that situation. Since Oscar Clefbaum has gone down, they've needed a left shot defenseman shut down guy. And he brought in Matthias Ekholm and he just brings a different level to that Oilers defense. Yeah. I mean, offensively, you can't beat McDavid. Just to be clear. What? Yeah. I said a different level being competence. (laughs) (laughs) Something that was traditionally very not there in the Oilers blue line. Emphatically not there, yes. Yeah. They still have Cody Cece, though. So They do. (laughs) The thing about this series that I think is really interesting, last year this was one of my favorite series to watch Mm -hmm. because for me it was the moment where Connor McDavid became the guy everybody kept telling me he was. Yeah. He like like visibly exerted his will over that series and he's done that this year and you know like to see him have this incredible season and really go into this just full speed redlining the whole way is going to be awesome that being said i don't know that you're gonna find too many teams that have a better shot at trying to contain McDavid than, you know, the Kings, because one, I think Todd McClellan's a very good coach. Yes. And two, Philip Deneau and Anze Kopitar are good hockey players. And they're oh, yeah. smart Really damn players. good. Very good defensive they're players. Not, they're not going to be able to stop McDavid from being McDavid because nobody can do that. But they are going to be able to win a shift here and there and try to keep the, the margins pretty slim. And, you know, if guys like Adrian Kempe can kind of pop like he has been, like, you know, they're, they've got a shot. That defense is good. Like, I, I, I don't – I don't think the Kings win this series, but it would not be surprising to me mm-hmm. to see Connor McDavid put up 20 points and them lose in seven games. <laughs> I mean, don't forget that last year – they push them to seven games overtime. So mm-hmm. I think it's closer than a lot of people really do think. I, I still give the edge to Edmonton because I mean, Nugent Hopkins and fucking Zach Hyman, who was shit on every other team. Like he, he skates on McDavid's wing and turns into a goddamn superstar. So you can't overlook their role players in Edmonton. And I, I have to give credit that, you know, Holland has done a decent job building this roster. The Kings are sneaky deep, though, too. Victor Arvidsson, Arthur Kaliev, yeah. yeah. Alex Iafalo. So yeah. I wouldn't necessarily discredit the Kings' depth in this, but let, let's go show of hands. Edmonton? And, and the last thing I'll say is... Be Homer. <laughs> at the start of the podcast, like, if there was ever going to be a series that was like a four- or five-game series, but every single game was one goal, this, this could mm-hmm. be that series where... Mm-hmm. You're, you know, looking at the overall, like, oh, yeah, Edmonton won it in five. It couldn't mm-hmm. have been that close. But then looking at each individual game, it's like, well, Edmonton won it in five because Connor McDavid five times did something stupid. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Edmonton, you know, it could be mm-hmm. it could be that series, a close margin skewed result because Edmonton is just a little bit better in a lot of different ways and has the alien from space factor that is McDavid. Mm-hmm. We got one more series left. 
And to me, it's the funnest series. I'm sorry. To have two fan bases who genuinely hate each other as much as New Jersey and the Rangers do. So many gold to- chains. So many <laughs> So many strong opinions about yep. pizza. Oh Lots of hand gestures. Yeah. Oh my this, this is the this is the series right here. This hey. is the series of that. You're even making the gesture. Like, this is the series. If you want chaos, this is going to be chaos personified at like, because at at every single level from puck drop, I could not predict anything that will happen because I'm pretty sure the exact opposite is going to happen with this series. (laughs) I can definitely predict one thing that's going to happen. And that is that the, if I were a devil's fan and for this series, I am just to make that clear. (laughs) The biggest thing that worries me is that they are not going to get the benefit of a single call in any way, shape, or form. The Rangers oh, are going no. to get every single call. There, I would think that the over/under for five on threes per game for the Rangers is probably one and a half. Like they're going to get at least two, one or two of them a game, and um, it's just that's just the way it's going to be. And they're going to have to fight through it. They can definitely win win the series for sure. But man, they're just they're going to be up against the Rangers, the entire city of New York. The National Hockey League and everybody uh, going for it. That is me and my blue and orange Islanders tinfoil hat. But I was just Jake, thinking that, I'm like, steal your job for a second. I I would really like to know from everybody who you think the best player in that series is. Hughes. Jack Hughes. I just see that if the if the Devils win this, like, it's just going to be lose to Hughes instead of lose for Hughes. It's just going to mm-hmm. be, oh, you lose to Hughes. <laughs> I think that's such a vindicating storyline, especially knowing the Hughes-Caco draft, how yes. that all worked out. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like the best player. Part of me is Lafreniere. Like, I think that the best player question comes down to who wins the series. If New Jersey wins the series, it's probably Dougie Hamilton. And if oh, New really? wins the series, mm. it's probably Shisterkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think Shisterkin has a legitimate shot to be the best player in this series, even over Jack Hughes. And part of that is positional, but part of that is like, I'm not completely comfortable assuming Igor Shesterkin isn't still that dude. Like, no, that's a bad man in net right there. He's, he's been a guy that's done that, right? Like, yeah, he's a, a that. young devil team. They they yeah. haven't quite been there. Andre Pilat is going to be a big help in that type. You know, they've got guys with a little bit of experience, but if they go two games and only put up one or two goals total like i they're going to get gripping their sticks they're going to start to get uncomfortable and they are not going to want to get into the dirty areas where guys like jacob truber are going to decapitate you like (laughs) you know i just don't know that that's what if they go two games and and new jersey isn't getting that save from vanacek yeah. Right. I think I think there's one name that we've all forgotten to talk about who I think is actually the best player of this series, and it's Adam Fox. Yeah. This guy carries that Rangers blue line on his back. And that's not to say that they're not good. Keandre Miller's had a really yeah. good year. Mm-hmm. Jacob Truba, yeah, he'll take your head off, but he'll stop you in your tracks for sure. Mm-hmm. But Adam well, you Fox can't play legit- without a head. That's true. Adam Fox legitimately does it all for me. As someone who will just, Adam Fox will be top three Norris for uh, years to come for me. And that's the X factor to me in this series as someone who's watched a lot of Rangers hockey down the stretch. As much as the Rangers went balls to the wall training for uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, 
there have been numerous games since the trade deadline where not just one or two, but all of their top six, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Vinny Trocek, and Panarin, and Kane, and Tarasenko, look like they didn't even show up to the rink, <laughs> that they just show massive inconsistency. And I'm sure Gerard Gallant must be beyond frustrated with that. And if they don't show up for even one of these games, I think that the Devils are balanced enough to make them pay for it. They could. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, reason... like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, everybody's talking about the big Patrick Kane trade, but <laughs> once they started digging into his numbers with New York, they're like, mm, yeah, no, we were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that was that was just sort of where I was going. Um, That was a mistake. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that is going to be made very, very clear uh, this playoff series. I know, like, he has got a lot of name recognition. He has got a lot of playoff experience, but man... He sold a lot of jerseys. I can tell you that. He will sell so (laughs) many jerseys for you. But man, he doesn't have it anymore. I'm sorry. They don't need him to be a jersey. They need Zibanejad. They need Panarin. They need Shosturkin. They need Fox. Mm -hmm. Like the the guys that that New York needs to get past Jersey. Yeah, Kane is, is icing on the cake. And if he has a, you know, throwback series, that's great. But like, they're going to win or lose based on other dudes. Right. The they need Kane, the depth. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, the thing with Kane for me is I, I think, like, I, I was very hesitant to call him cooked once the trade was made just because everything in Chicago was so weird and just abysmal. And he came in, he started off pretty hot, and then he kind of fizzled out a little bit. I still don't want to play that man in, in sudden death <laughs> overtime. I don't want to have to play Patrick Kane in sudden death overtime. If you and, can outskate him, then you can outscore him. Yeah, but I mean, I just he, I know that like <laughs> this is one of those things where like I turn into an old man, but like he has the swagger and the the confidence and the experience built up that he's just like I can go win this game in two shifts if we're in overtime. Well, and the I, thing- they don't have anybody yet who can do that in Jersey. Jack Hughes looks like that guy. Jasper Brett looks like that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? The idiot they just traded for from up north. Timo. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like they have these guys, but I don't. I I don't know that any of them scare me in an overtime as much as Patrick Kane does. But but the key I think to what you're saying is if you're the Rangers, all you need from Kane. Are mm-hmm. those like two or three? Like you don't need him to be the guy that yeah. wins you three of the four games you need to advance. You've you've got that depth. You've got Fox, Sturkin, you know, Zabana. You mm-hmm. you've got the infrastructure. You need Patrick Kane because he's a lottery ticket. Like if he mm-hmm. gives you one or two moments that turn one or two games in the series, that's probably your margin of error, and you probably win. Well, yeah, and, and how many? How many shifts is he going to get for it? Because he's playing on a bum hip that probably needs mm-hmm. surgery. He was mm-hmm. rested towards the end of the regular season there. You know, it's maybe if he's really struggling, I could see him getting scratched even if he's not. Because what? why waste the roster spot, you know, if he's mm-hmm. not really able to go? And if he is playing, yeah, it's probably only going to be, you know, what, 15 minutes a game or something like that? that much. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And th- so he'll have less chances to make – Make that big moment. You know, can he still get those moments in fewer shifts? You know, I don't know. I do want to talk about the Timo Meyer trade, you know, that the equivalent of that big trade for the New Jersey Devils, though. 
I know some people might not think it's the flashiest coming from a San Jose Sharks team where he was one of maybe, what, three players who aren't NPCs on that team anymore. Yeah, but, there was nothing flashy about them. People that don't think that trade is flashy are dumb. No offense to those people. <laughs> not as flashy as what Patrick Kane was in the media sense. But I, I admire media, what again, the game. I reiterate, if you think that the Patrick yeah. Kane trade mattered more than the Timo yeah. Meyer, Meyer trade, then welcome to the sport. We're glad that you're here. Maybe <laughs> Here's our Hockey 101 page. Let's go. He's a, great, he's a great player. He's a great player in, in the kind of meat of his career. He's going to make, I, mean, I guess, if he's like super sick. I know he missed some, some time, some practice illness. Like, yeah, he there may be some, like, he is, he's a great player. And he's going to make he's it sneaky. in a way that Kane could only yeah. hope to at this stage. He's that big body I, to protect Jack Hughes and let Jesper Bratt find that space. Because I think Jesper Bratt has to be one of the fastest players in the league. If you see him on a breakaway, he has such breakneck speed. I love yeah, Timo Meyer. He had Meyer. a skating like, start the whole time, so it doesn't count. <laughs> I, I get to see Timo Meyer, unfortunately, a lot uh, in his time with San Jose playing the Kings. He... He's underrated. I I love Timo Meyer. He is he's very he's a Swiss train. He's, he's exactly good. what you think he is, and he's, he's very good. reliable. He's real damn good, and I think <sighs> you, annoyingly, you, you, uh, I forget who exactly brought it up, but man, I think the big thing for the Devils is you just got to use that speed. Just yeah, that what they're one of the most insane average speed kind of teams out there. Every time they turn up ice, it is you're already looking backwards. Like they are going to make this. Obviously, they're probably going to get drawn into you know typical Metro Division, you know big old big old dust ups. But I don't know, man. the 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 sheer power that that team can conjure when they're in like a really close game, or uh, if they realize that they have the upper hand here, they will bury you. They can and will bury you. And I feel like that is something that it's it's all going to have to come down to how Shosturkin plays against them because so far it hasn't looked super great for the for the Rangers. But also, yeah, either I mean, way, a, a, another advantage for the Devils is they don't Chandler's have going to get himself suspended halfway through this well, one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Devils have they don't have any pressure on them, right? They're, I was going to say no expectation. They're their window entering the... is just opening. This is just their first taste of the playoffs. Yep. They want to make a run. I think they can make a run, but they don't have to. They're in. They're in here just to have the experience. New York is the one that kind of went all in. They made these big trades. Mm-hmm. They really have to kind of win this year. How many more years do they have left with some of these core players at their peak abilities or whatever? It, plus, just. It's New York. You know, I mean, both teams are kind of in the same general market, but the pressure is on the Rangers way more than it is on the sure. Islanders or the Devils. So, uh, and I think, so I think the minute there's any sort of momentum for the Devils, they can ride that and anything's going against the Rangers. And, and that's, and that's like, yeah, like Truba, if that's, if things go wrong, then that's when Truba is going to do something stupid and then mm-hmm. things can really spiral out of control that way. I yeah, want to go back I to something. Princesca to the games. Please send my Francesca to the games. <laughs> I want to go back to something Scott the said, though, about the Devils just 
having the uh, the most average consistent speed of any team, it comes from names who aren't exactly the flashiest too. I'll give a lot of credit to Dawson Mercer breaking out this year. Yeah, that's a thing, yeah, man. you know, Yegor Sharangovich. Tell me that is one hundred percent a Miles Wood, a fourth liner, will cut. He's also huge. Yeah. And they just added a shifty defenseman in Jack Hughes's brother, Luke. Mm. And they're going to get Michael McLeod back in their forward core at some point. And Michael McLeod is also a pretty decent depth player. So the Devils just are so interesting. And you're right, PD, they're at the beginning of their window. And they can play no-pressure fun hockey. And that might actually make the difference. Yeah, and like in the Metro here, we're thinking like, oh, you know, finally, like Pittsburgh's falling off and Washington's falling up. Like, oh, crap, here's the Devils. Like, this is, this is the new, uh, um, uh, you know, hegemon in the, in the division. Such Surprise, a, we're back! Such a parody <laughs> of hockey every year. All right, show of hands. I feel like we're going to split this one. Devils? I need the Devils to win this. <laughs> They're going to go four to three, four and three. So devil's by an edge, but not by that much. All right. I've got the, I, re, I took count of what we all thought of everyone's series. We've got um, second round matchups predicted as such. Carolina and by an edge, the devils, Ooh, Boston oh and a coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> The Avalanche and the Stars and Vegas and the Oilers. What the worst matchup? They may not be the better conference, but they're the fun conference. Oh, yeah. No, but like the Stars and the Avalanche, uh, like that's so fun. Boston and Coin Flip, that's going to be fun. Devils versus Hurricanes, so much fun. And then you get Vegas fucking Oilers, like (laughs) – like David versus whoever's in net for Vegas. For Vegas. Like, that'd be awesome. I think it'd be great when one of us is called up to the Vegas Cold Night. Exactly. No, see, the intriguing thing to me is remember, remember, it was McDavid and Eichel one and two that draft year. That's the draw there. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Yeah, Eichel is hurt like all the time. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, this is going to be Eichel's first time in the playoffs. Was he the, was he, was the he? person with the longest active non-playoff streak? I mean, yeah. I know he's the person the with the highest discrepancy between experimental neck surgeries and <laughs> 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 Well, what's Saber interesting, Jake, is, is you know, you list those matchups and we we pick chalk, basically, which normally you would think that's Boring and also it, because of big chalk, chalk doesn't happen. So, but I also feel like in this case, chalk gives us honestly the best possible matchups we can get in all those second round series, the most entertaining ones, at least yeah, what it looks yeah. like at this point. Absolutely, this is all been this is all a really great playoff yeah. field, great I think. Which no means, matter, of course, Winnipeg's going to win, <laughs> <laughs> the Islanders are going to Florida are going to win their first round matchups, and we can just that's win. awesome. Yeah. Please well, stop I mean, saying words. Well, that these, playoffs are, either. these playoffs are going to be super fun, regardless. I've got one question left for everybody before we go. I want your Stanley Cup winner and one sentence as to why. Oh, Dan, let's start with you. I say Bruins over Stars because it's they're just that good, and and I I really don't think enough people are saying the Stars you know are picking the Stars to go to the finals. I really like them. Oh, thanks, Dan. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I feel like Avs could repeat. I, it would be so close between Avs and Bruins. Uh, I mean, so I'm just going to kind of randomly out of a hat say Avalanche. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Dan. I say Bruins over Stars. Love the Stars top line, but Bruins are just too good and too deep. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, the Boston Bruins over the Dallas Stars. I really like the Dallas Stars, but I just think that the West in general has uh, tremendous, critical, heartbreaking flaws that Boston just kind of has this this other level that they can go to to beat that. I'll go ahead and take uh, Boston over Edmonton. And I really wanted to yeah. be bold here and take the the Leafs, but I <laughs> I mean, look, like at a certain point, you just are the team of destiny, and there's no... You never know. Playoffs are weird. Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's my one sentence to actually fucking follow the prompt. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do something like that? Is there anybody that you would root harder for to go out on top than Patrice Bergeron? Hmm. I will. I, they're I will not. Like there I aren't mean, a lot of guys more likable than him. The only one I, I would say is close is Joe Pop. Yeah, Joe Pavelski. But uh, as as much as it kills me as a homer, I actually have the inverse. I think Edmonton over Boston. My one sentence is the Eastern Conference is a meat grinder, and Connor McDavid yeah. has had a season that we have never seen before. Yeah. What I'm you mean? They don't score sixty four goals every year. <laughs> Connor McDavid might. <laughs> I, just, I, I just think that the the, the things I, I think Boston is the best team in the bracket but has the toughest path to tread yeah and I think that Edmonton has the best player in the universe right now and realistically does not have to get through the same kind of gauntlet so if, if we get a near full power Edmonton Oilers against the beaten up Bruins in the finals yeah, that's, that's where McDavid deciding all I have to do is win four games and we're done <laughs> becomes a thing and, and he's he's at his like 1993 Michael Jordan point in his career or whatever you know like just the start of his run of like okay now I'm taking over the league now He's he's stupid good. He is yeah. he has taken the entire MVP conversation and turned it into let's talk about who gets second place instead because yeah. nobody with a brain in their head that has watched hockey will argue that he is not the most valuable player in the league. Yeah, Taylor Hall is going to go full Tanya Harding on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say RIP Crosby to like uh, MVP. Yeah. Ty- well, Tiny's violin for Crosby. I'm sure Petey can oh, relate. No. <laughs> that's the greatest thing about this playoff bracket is the penguins aren't involved and the caps no pens no that's the end of an era right there yeah i will be celebrating i will no not celebrating <laughs> morning i said the quiet part out loud um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is gonna be a great playoffs i can't wait for tomorrow well, yeah, that's it we've lost the, the three longest active playoff streaks were pittsburgh washington nashville and they all ended in the same season do y'all know the, 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 lo- the longest active playoff streak currently toronto yeah and Boston. Oh I my think gosh. Only, only goes back to 2017. Oh, you don't have to get out of the first round to make the playoffs, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it still technically counts. Ask the uh, Detroit Red Wings. It's still good. It's still good. 
Um, let me sneak my prediction in here. I'm going to join a couple of you guys as well and go Boston over Dallas. And my one sentence here is Bruins because they're too good not to. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Famous last words in the NHL. That is true. <laughs> I wa- that is true. I'm the NHL, happy- where too good to fail is not a thing. <laughs> I'm happy to do a post-mortem on this. And if it doesn't happen, I will eat my words. But <laughs> there's something I hope that's literally. so different and special about this Bruins team. Having watched pretty much all 82 games this season, there's something so special about this team. It's really hard to deny. Regardless, I think we've talked we've talked about every matchup. This playoffs is going to be fun as hell. And so for those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, wherever you are, whichever outlet you connected with us on, just have fun. You know, whether your team's in it, whether your team's not, and you're hoping on the ping pong balls to lay you Connor Bedard, just enjoy <laughs> the play- the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best of the best. There is no other sport that does it better than the NHL as far as the playoffs go. Unless you like the Jets, Rick Bonus can fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have some free time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that, let's everyone sign off and everyone let's enjoy the next couple of months of hockey. Woo! Bye. Sure. Bye. Have a good Bye. day.